we're back to That's a Tough One, the podcast. And I'm one of your hosts. I'm JD. And I'm with another host. The other host. The other, the best host. Aww. What's your name? Morgan. Morgan. (laughs) And I'm happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. Mm, We're happy to talk more about topics that we discuss. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And before we discuss it, make sure you go over to our Instagram and Twitter. Instagram at That's a Tough One Pod. Twitter at That's a Underscore Tough One. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Got it. We also have a YouTube channel where we sporadically upload videos. So, you know. I don't think we have any videos on That's a Tough One. We don't? No. Oh, well, we will (laughs) at some point in the future sporadically upload. Do we have any? Oh, we do have one video. Where like where we did a taste test. I think that's on that's a tough one. Oh, okay. Well I, I think so. I don't even know. Disregard, but we that's a goal that we have <laughs> for twenty twenty two is to get those um that content to y'all uploaded on YouTube so mm. you can see our faces and mm. see us live in action. Mm. We can even do it today. We possibly could. Mm-hmm. We potentially could consider doing that today. Yes, yeah. we potentially, most likely will yes. do that today. If y'all only knew how busy uh, the That's a Tough One household is right now. If only y'all knew. <laughs> if only they knew, but we <laughs> will. That to-do list. Is... <laughs> to-do list got thrown in the trash. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. That's other to-dos, though. Mm. It's other to-dos to do, okay. such as talking about these these stories. Get into these minis. Get into these minis. If you have one. But before we get into the minis. Oh, okay. <laughs> before we get Let's into the back minis. Back it up. I just got a little quick update on the story. Um, <laughs> now, wait a minute. So, every week when I ask yeah. you, do you have an update yeah. or a correction, you always be like, you caught me off guard with that. And then I, the one week I don't ask. <laughs> who thought of that? Who thought of that? How come you don't ever have no update or correction? Hmm? I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, I have a little okay. update and probably the final update to sure. this story. I can't wait to hear about it. About Bishop Sycamore. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that should be the final update to this story. I agree. Yeah, this was from December uh, 17th of 2021. Just there was a 79-page report that claimed investigators could not find proof Bishop Sycamore met any requirements for private, non-chartered schools like holding regular classes, verifying teacher credentials, or maintaining academic records. Oh, wow. So, the fact that that was in a 79-page report all about how they run their program, I would would safely assume that that is it for their run. That's the best (sighs) high school football team in America. Probably for the best. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's really disappointing to hear. Um, I'm still wondering what what that means for the people who were attending and like their college credits and all that good stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I'm hoping similar to like Trump University, um, that they'll be able to get something figured out. Cause I don't think that's fair to the people who were there in good faith, but I know, I know how those things tend to go. <laughs> so, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see. And, um, I guess I'll have me a little quick mini story. I'm ready to hear Keep it mini. It could be a real story. It could be any story we want. But mm-hmm. it's just a quick headline from the New York Times. Uh, facing a shortage of truck drivers, pilot program turns to teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> the supply chain is broken. I guess this is kind of an update to the story really you did is. earlier about um, the supply chain and the Christmas sweaters. It really is. 
Um, they basically have a new pilot program. So usually if you're not, I think it's 21, if you're under between 18 to 20, you can drive a truck within a state after okay. you get proper training, but you can't cross state lines except oh, okay. for Hawaii right. for obvious reasons. Um, mm -hmm. So they, they will now, uh, I think they're trying to get 3,000 young truck drivers, uh, get them to complete 400 hours of cumulative probationary time with an experienced driver in the passenger seat. Uh, so they will be able to drive and get them out on the road sooner. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I hope this is a great thing, but you never know. Um, they do have some regulations like they can't, they must stay under 65 miles per hour and they have to have a forward facing uh, video cameras, which a lot of 18 wheelers automatically okay. just have forward facing video cameras, but them in particular, they will have a forward-facing yeah. camera. Hmm. Um, so, and it's part of the program, part of that um, trillion-dollar bill signed by President Biden to help modernize the aging infrastructure in mm. America. Mm -hmm. uh, got a lot of problems you got to fix. And I guess throwing 19-year-old behind a semi-truck, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Ooh, this reminds me of... Uh, this is not the first time they've tried to get like teenagers in America to work to like replace other workers. So I want to say it was in the like the early half of the 20th century when there was a big like first like one of the first big anti-immigration pushes in the United States. There was a uh, United States and Mexico had a like immigration contract for migrant workers, and they canceled it. And they were like, "Well, we don't want to." Um, continue to have immigrants in the country and everything. Mm -hmm. And so they tried to, under the argument of like, they're taking away jobs from Americans. So they, you know, canceled the program. They op opened the jobs up and nobody took the jobs <laughs> because of the the living conditions, the working conditions and the super low pay. So somebody got the bright idea. I was like, hey, let's get a whole bunch of teenagers uh, we're going to create a program, a summer program where they can, we'll bust them from across the country to these like Southwestern areas, Southern areas and have them farm and call it like a character building thing. And, um, they did like a test run with student athletes and it actually ended up turning into a disaster because most of them kind of like quit and went home super <laughs> duper quickly when they realized how bad the conditions were and how miserable the work is. And then the other ones end up uh, rebelling against the farm owners and kind of like almost forming a union and having demands and things like that. And they actually turn like a big chunk of like your traditional like white men, all American baseball players into uh, liberals, angry liberals who ended up advocating for like the rights of immigrants and labor unions like for the rest of their lives when they actually went down there and did that hard work. So yeah, they said never again. <laughs> Good luck to those teenagers uh, doing that doing that truck driving. I hope they at least pay them a decent wage for that work because that's that's not an easy job to have. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear they're getting a skill, but I hope they don't take advantage of those people as well. As you know, they will. <laughs> as as we both know they will so they'll try you know go mm -hmm. ahead unionize go ahead unionize um was that your mini yeah yeah that was my mini what do you what do you have for your mini now okay mine comes from the smithsonian magazine 
Um, and it's entitled Archaeologists Unearthed 4,000 Year Old Board Game in Oman. Oh. Where's Oman? <laughs> uh, I'm actually not sure where it is. How do you spell it? We got the internet. O M A N. Oh, it looks like the Arabian Peninsula. Oh, that country. Okay. I, yeah. I get, you know what? I don't think I've ever heard it said out loud. Uh, and, yeah, and I could be pronouncing it incorrectly. Yeah. But um, that's how, phonetically, that's how it looks to me. But, of course, the internet had a lot of thoughts about um, opening up and discovering a 4,000-year-old board game in a very, I would say, already kind of like turbulent time in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, some of these things are buried for a reason. <laughs> If y'all have never seen uh, the original Jumanji movie, mm-hmm. you know how how those things tend to, to find a way to get discovered. But it's literally a stone slab with and it's carved with a grid and cup holes and things. And people say it looks a little similar to Batgammon. Oh my god! <laughs> this, this also reminds me of uh, I think the the second half of season one of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, oh boy! Don't it, it all is bad. They always take over the world. Calm yeah. down, guys. But it's so interesting because they said they've actually found ver- similar versions of this game in many different ancient civilizations, um, from India through Mesopotamia and other areas of the Eastern Mediterranean. So I'm not sure if it's just like a kind of a more simple, straightforward type of game that a lot of cultures would have developed that you could play with like two to four players, or if it's more so like the game was created in one place and travel along these routes in like Asia mm-hmm. to other, you know, and like was picked up and developed and customized in other countries. But either way, it's just so interesting to see how people used to entertain themselves thousands and thousands of years ago. Yeah, by by any means. I mean you're gonna you're gonna come up with, you know, it might be a little cool game, like you said, an offshoot. Yeah. Maybe it was a game that traveled along the Silk Road and mm-hmm. then made its way down the Arabian Peninsula. So, yeah. yeah, pretty cool. Um, hopefully, you know, it doesn't involve any dice. It doesn't involve any rhyming. You know, now, now I want to watch Jumanji. <laughs> that was a good movie. It was a good movie. I still haven't seen the the new one. I guess the third Jumanji movie. I think they have a very different energy to them than the original ones. But I, I think they're fun in their own right. Yeah. But they don't feel like that first Jumanji. And that's fine. I don't think you could ever recreate the energy and the feeling and the spirit of those movies but I, I like the idea of like we'll just set it in the same world as Jumanji but it'll kind of be a different type of adventure mm-hmm. and they're funny too yeah, they're pretty funny mm-hmm. yeah and I, I know I know I'm backtracking a little bit go ahead but I guess when you're talking about those farmers and those um and they try to get those those kids to do their little unionized work mm-hmm. it may remember that story out of Georgia where they were forcing those immigrants to work on the fields you remember that? I don't remember that. What? <laughs> it's our podcast. I guess we talk about what we want to talk about. <laughs> but it, it's another headline I found. It's from Atlanta Journal Constitution. Okay. Uh, investigators uncovered modern day slavery on Georgia farms. Oh and, wow! And what's next for the victims? The um. Oh wow! Just basically the the people who own these farms who are getting getting people or holding them on their farms at gunpoint mm-hmm. and forcing them to do work mm-hmm. and I guess paying them a little so they can justify say they're they're not slaves they're being yeah. paid this much but they're not allowed to leave or really contact the outside world mm-hmm. and eventually I mean that's pretty yeah that's pretty <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and, I, I, and I think I was reading so I was just reading something about it um, this morning. They only uh, they only discovered what was happening because one of the farmers was spending outside of what they, the IRS deemed their means. Mm-hmm. It's like, how are you generating this much money from a farm of this size? You yielding this crop. Government right. ain't gonna get you. And then when they went to investigate, and then they did a raid because they're like, no, this is not making any sense for them to be generating this much. It's so yeah. sad how people take advantage of people who don't really have a way to advocate for themselves. Like whether it's you know you don't have citizenship status, you don't speak the same language, you have an intellectual disability, which is another another way that you see very common like form modern forms of slavery happening. Like you remember that story where the guy was working in a kitchen at a restaurant. And he wasn't being paid and he was being physically and verbally abused by the boss. Mm-hmm. And I think finally some other, some coworkers or some other people stepped up and they were like, oh no, you, you can't enslave this man just because he has an intellectual disability. <laughs> That's literally what this is. You can't force somebody to work under threat of violence for your labor. So yeah, crazy stories, crazy, crazy. But those kids are getting paid, hopefully a livable wage so they can contribute to their households. So. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Did you have another mini? Uh, no, I don't think I have any. Do you? Mm-hmm. you look like you over there having a good time. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a slightly new story. Um, that's just just a, the currently developing, but it's about former Utah Jazz great John Stockton. Are you familiar? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know John Stockton. Um, really know, white chocolate. Let's yeah, go. NBA Hall of Famer, the all time um, leader in assists. Yeah, so for those who don't know, he played at Gonzaga, mm-hmm. and up until recently, he's had a really, really good um, relationship with Gonzaga. But his reputation with the public has kind of like a little lost a little bit of respect because he's a, like a very, very vocal um, anti masker, anti vaxxer he's against any type of restrictions and policies related to COVID. And so this has led to him being banned from um, Gonzaga's basketball season. And he's a season holder. He has a seat that he sits in. Like him and his wife have a very prominent relationship with the school. Um, Two of his children played basketball there. And another one played was gray shirted and then transferred out. But he, he's very influential in the in the community there and with the athletics department. Mm. And so um, he was interviewed about that. And one of the things that he said was that over 150 professional athletes have died from the COVID vaccine, according to his research. Um, he says, I think it's highly recorded now, 150, I believe now, over 100 professional athletes dead. Professional athletes, the prime of their life, dropping dead, that are vaccinated, right on the pitch, right on the field, right on the court. Mm. And so this particular quote from uh, the interview that he had when he was asked about Gonzaga kind of severing their relationship with him for right now, definitely caught fire, I was saying, on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people had different different reactions to that. Yeah. What, what would you say is your reaction to that, um, to that mean- piece of information he, he shared? I mean, though that that is a bold claim to be making. I I know that some some were concerned because uh, I can't remember the exact long scientific name uh, for it. Uh, which your heart about myocarditis? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I know some of the soccer players over in Europe were developing, and some of them were passing out, and they figured out they had this, and some of them were never diagnosed with COVID, but did have the vaccine, and just I guess just due to that being uh uh. An effect of COVID is possible to also get that from the vaccine, 
But I also know that some doctors and scientists proven it's possible to get it, but at a milder rate than you would if you actually caught COVID. Like it's not as severe. Yeah. So uh, there's there's a lot of fact checking that has that has happened to kind of trace the roots of this story. And like you said, you're right. It, a lot of it does stem from this number of European uh, football players slash soccer players who have who died. But what they're saying is that. In 53 of those cases, there was a cause of death reported. Several of them were heart attacks brought on by previous or unknown conditions. Some did have COVID. Some had, one had an aneurysm, one had a TBI, one had a bike accident, one suicide, two suspected suicides. One had a heat stroke, one had a congenital heart condition. And then there were others. There was one who was unvaccinated who also died. Um, and so basically what they're saying is there's not really any reality to that claim. And I would also say that there are definitely not basketball players dying on the court or football players dying on the field in America, because we would have, that would have made national news. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I'll add is that they, you know, for those who don't know, there are a lot of different vaccines in Europe than what are available here in America, because we, our company chose not to share their formulas. So there, there are different efficacy levels between like an AstraZeneca available in Europe and Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson, or not Johnson and Johnson, and Moderna available here in the United States. Some of those people, um, like in England, for example, they chose to do one shot, one dose of their vaccine instead of two. So like their vaccines may not even have any, the same type of efficacy as ours. So I think that's also an important thing to remember. And three, I would say, if you're talking about the whole of Europe, every single football team in all of Europe, that's thousands of players. Yeah, they got they they not only have the the top two levels of soccer the way they do it, uh, then they have a bunch of like four or five different levels below that. Right. Each of some some countries have their own mini soccer leagues. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I just want to what I know those numbers are just funny numbers. Like how many of those people would die any other year? But this is a year, and maybe they did have a vaccine. Right. Maybe. What's the What's the comparison of like how many people who are now? Because also, what is your definition of of professional athletes? Like you said, is this people who are playing like your A league, annual B league? Are we looking at college level and adults? Like how many people are in your sample size, and then how many of those died from from what you're saying is the COVID vaccine? How many of those people had COVID prior to getting a vaccine? How many people were vaccinated? How many people were partially vaccinated? How many people had other things like underlying health conditions? I mean, even just thinking about the way that sports medicine is practiced here in America, there are athletes who have all types of health conditions that are kind of swept under the rug Mm -hmm. by the professional team doctor. And then they die on the field or they have some other, they have to retire from the NFL because they have other health condition that they can't hide anymore. So like, I feel like that's a very dangerous number to throw out and say like athletes are dropping dead left and right. <laughs> 150 athletes have died like in, in the middle of games because of the vaccine. Like, mm. yeah, <laughs> I mean, there are 150 athletes dying in the middle of games in Europe or across. And then you're saying across the world, professional athletes They're like, well, what's professional? professional because they don't, because they get paid a hundred dollars a game to play rugby right. in Europe. I don't know if that means you're a professional. And I feel like the reason why the whole professional athlete thing has become a linchpin of the, the vaccination argument is because we, when you say professional athlete, you think of a person that's like in tip top 
physical shape, mm-hmm. a perfect specimen, um, dropping dead from COVID. So like if, if they can't beat the vaccine or they can't have the vaccine, you definitely as an average person can't have the vaccine. I'm like, mm. <laughs> these same people you mean who do cocaine, yes. who have, you know, who have very high risk lifestyles, who put a lot of pressure on their heart in terms of the like working out, traveling, game playing, getting concussions. Some of them, like we were watching the game yesterday, some of them dudes in the NFL is big. Yes. And even though they have a lot of weight, I mean, a lot of strength, like they probably do have some underlying heart conditions or some high blood pressure, other things just from being a super... You know, you six five, four hundred pounds. Like you probably not. You probably don't have the healthiest of hearts you said to begin 400 with. Four hundred pounds. Huh? Said four hundred pounds. That's how that one dude looked on the. <laughs> That's how he looked. The Bengals. <laughs> it's hey, muscle is heavy. Muscle is heavy. I don't know if it's that heavy. <laughs> well, but, how, no, how heavy do you think the heaviest person in the NFL is? Probably about 360, 370. Oh well. Three sixty is probably max. I mean, we heavy. rounding up. Now you ran up to that's a, that's a big round. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Like, what's your definition of professional athlete? Because uh, back when I was in the Music City, they had a semi-pro football team there. And just because that man plays, say, a, a, a position where you run a lot, wide receiver, mm-hmm. uh, that person also goes to work at Amazon uh, does Molly on his on his break, mm-hmm. and then goes out to play professional football, get, getting paid seventy dollars a game. Now, is he a professional? I guess he gets paid for the sport, but I don't know if that compares to yeah. an Odell Beckham professional. I think it's really a really interesting way to see how a story can start somewhere. Like you can even start with legitimate numbers, and you can kind of cook and trim and massage the way you describe and explain something and by the time it goes from Europe and it comes down and it's filtered through all these different newspapers it has turned into 150 athletes collapsed dead uh, from a COVID-19 vaccine and that's not anywhere near the truth so the interesting part to me about this whole thing is that he is very confident that he is going to repair his relationship with the university um, he also said that he realizes that he has a lot of weight due to his professional image and that people look look up to him and he feels obligated to not wear the mask because of that. And so I thought that was a very interesting interview. Like he's not your typical anti-vax Q person that's like spouting conspiracy theories. Like he seems to be very grounded and he seems to really believe this science, but it's just very incorrect science. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hopefully... It's like one of those things that I know we keep saying. Hopefully, he he's able to speak with people that at least give him the cor- correct knowledge and at least the information that's available because it's always changing. Things we did a year and a half ago aren't things they think is best suited to do now. We learn more as yeah. longer we go on, and eventually, I I mean, like, hey, I'm not the craziest person with all this. I'm not wearing three masks, but. Can, mm-hmm. do, do they might help a little bit? Yeah, you know. Well, you know, everybody got their own beliefs, but let's. You know what helps the most? What's up? Getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you like, if people say, "Hey, everybody's gonna have a chance with COVID," that that is getting to the point where it's more likely true than not true at this point. But I do know that if you are vaccinated, you have a better chance of beating it. And I think that if if there the vaccine side effects were as bad as they are after now of people, some people going on a year and a half of being vaccinated, because I think the first people were vaccinated in September of 2020, we will all know somebody who had a vaccine side effect or die from a vaccine at this point. 
if that was if it was as common as people are saying it was, you would have had a coworker or somebody. And I'm not talking about like people had rashes and things. I'm saying people who had severe health long-term health reactions from the vaccine. Like we will all know that person. And if somebody died from it, it would be a national news story at this point because it's a talking point, mm-hmm. you know? They'll be happy. Plenty of people will be happy to have somebody die from mm-hmm. the vaccine so they can talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'll slide over and keep it kind of in the realm of sports. Hey. But the headline, NFL gets exposed by Super Bowl halftime dan- dancers Asked to work crazy hours for free. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. Pause. Pause. Pausing, pause. Pause. Because you mean to tell me this league that's literally owned by billionaires. Mm-hmm. 32 of Making billions of dollars a mm-hmm. year. Billion dollar industry. That they can't afford to pay these, these freaking dancers. Well, actually, it's a thing where the person who performs at the halftime typically doesn't get paid. The, okay. and the, that's just the halftime performance. So they, like when Prince did it, or Michael Jackson, or Beyonce. Why? Why? Because they say you're getting paid for the exposure. exposure. Oh hell no! So the, how dare they? <laughs> like, that is not an internship, which I would even argue is is wrong. It, oh, as it should. But <laughs> but but those people are high level at their thing. Like they got Madonna, U two, Justin Timberlake. Um, pay those people how, that can't compare to the dancer in row four of your performance that's going to be seen on camera for 10 seconds oh wait 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 you're saying you're saying the celebrity is not paid they're not paid either no okay I'm I'm a little bit more okay with that yeah the but the dancers are also not paid that's where I have the problem that's, that's where I have a problem too you have these people doing all this work and not getting any of it and just a quick thing I guess dancer her name is Taja Riley, a.k.a. TKL, shared NFL's request, including the schedule. Uh, they sent her by several people as participate this year. They're asking the dancers to work 72 plus hours. They can't miss a single rehearsal and they have to pay their own transportation. During to- COVID, they can't miss a single rehearsal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And they have to pay for their own transportation to and from with the NFL requesting they take ride shares so they don't use up parking spaces. <gasps> Look at this guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, seventy-two plus hours. I think I think they said it was about ten, ten or so rehearsals they would have to do, and they're basically volunteering this time. So, people who already have the resources and the money to do that are the only people who are going to get the opportunity, because you could be a really talented dancer, but maybe you don't have the money to commit to seventy-two hours where you're not making, you're losing money. You're losing money, and who knows who knows you're there. So I have to try to take a bunch of pictures to prove that I was there to maybe gain 200 followers over the next two weeks after yeah, the Super Bowl. It's, it's like up to you to, like, basically, you know, use your social media to advertise that you were there and hope that translates into jobs. And maybe it does translate into jobs, but I also don't see a re- I don't see any justification on why they can't pay those dancers. Yeah, dancing isn't the most lucrative profession for most of them. You can say that about about any art form. Some people are going to make substantial money. Some people are going to make mid-tier money. Some people aren't going to make anything at all. I know, because way, way back in the day, about when I was... When I was cuter and thinner and everything else, mm-hmm. I still had a twinkle in my eye. I considered auditioning for the Lovables in Chicago. And when I looked up how much money they made, I was like, oh, never mind. This is a lot of work. 
but it's a very, very small amount of money. Mm-hmm. You're, you're literally doing this just for the chance. And so I'm, it's like, so you have to assume that most of these people who are being asked to perform, hey, they, they have a whole second job besides dancing. Uh, maybe well, they, they have their, money. They're privileged. Or you have to have money. Cause yeah. You got a, you have a boyfriend or you know a husband that, that, that pays for everything so you don't have to worry about that or your parents help you out or whatever the situation may be. But I, I would like really push back against that because like a job where you're paid, you get experience, but you're still paid at that job. Mm-hmm. So why I don't, they just make too much money. Even just off the concessions at one single game, as the Super Bowl concessions, <laughs> I would argue that you could make enough, you could take a fraction of that, a fraction of the ad revenue. You're charging millions of dollars per ad. You can't pay those dancers. Yeah, like come they, on now, work working for free. Like how, if you single person in a, in a studio apartment that doesn't have any large sums of money, you're asking me to almost like, what if I have a job where I work at at a bank, but my passion is dance, and I'm really trying to make right. it in the dance in dance industry. I have to pretty much quit my job for an opportunity to dance at a Super Bowl where I might not even get seen. You right. might not even see me on. It may cut away. It might cut away. I'm way in the corner and I just gave up my job 80 plus hours, so 72 plus hours, which could be anything. When they say 72 plus hours, it can be 72 hours. It could be 140 hours leading up to two weeks to the Super Bowl. The I just looked it up. The NFL and advertising alone for the 2020 Super Bowl, $450 million. $450 million and you are paying dancers an experience <laughs> during a pandemic. Now, I know everybody has their different opinions about the pandemic and things like that, but it's still, they're they're risking getting sick and not being able to dance because they're they're too sick and they might catch something. They may have to miss the next job. You're not, you're not providing uh, transportation for them. You want them to take a ride share. Like you making it hard for them to do, you have more restrictions and benefits other than the chance to be seen on TV for 10 to 30 seconds. Like that, that's just so disrespectful. And I feel like that a big piece of that is like, we don't respect the work that people who are dancers or cheerleaders do because we don't think it's, you know, I would go as far to say it's a feminine art form stereotypically. So it's not as respected because why is like being able to do a herky any less of a skill than being able to catch a football and run it into an end zone. Yeah, it's hard. But this person is making a hundred million dollars doing this and this dancer is not making anything. And it's so easy. Like you said, they're making so much money for ad revenue. It would have been so easy to pay every, to pay every adult you have performing $10,000. You wouldn't even notice it. At least, like, I feel like at least if you're not going to pay their, pay for them to dance, pay for their transportation, pay for hotel rooms, you know, those people, not only are they dancing, but you're taking pictures of people after the game, you're, you know, you're posing, you, you're the face of this team, you're, you're being, like, your attractiveness is still being used, like, whether they're being posted on the social media of the different teams in the NFL, like, they're getting way more out of you than you're, than they're getting out from the experience yeah you should want to get the best people to perform and not the people that are just financially stable enough to perform like that's not how it works the nfl works because you guys get the best of the best that can play at this level and can do all the small things to make it like it's not it's, it has nothing to do with well you you couldn't pay for training when you were in uh for, to go to this combine so you're not going to make it like no y'all want the best get the best dancers 
And in yeah, that's a good point. They would they would never do that with a player. They would do everything they could to get that player there. Mm-hmm. And I I know like people were saying, well, the athletes they make millions of dollars for the company. Yes, but a big part of football is the dancers and the cheerleaders. And I guarantee you, if the dancers and the cheerleaders were taken out of the experience, people would notice that. People would miss that. Like people like seeing those people perform and play and be there, even if not for the art form of it, for the eye candy. So pay them. I'm not saying they need to get, ma- they need to make a million dollars, but at least pay them so they have something to show for the work that they put in. Yeah, and, and just for exposure, they they also have to sign a confidentiality agreement. So I guess that's going to limit, like, when you can even post your pictures mm-hmm. and prove you're in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You have, you Now you have, you're doing this for free. Maybe you can't really, you're not supposed to, in quotations, tell anybody you're doing this for yeah. of the 80 hours over over the next two and a half weeks. Yeah. Come on, man. That don't even sound right. And I would argue, like, some people might say, well, actually, no, you don't understand. Like, to dance in the Super Bowl, it, it almost guarantees you a year of work or something like that. And that might be true. It might, it might be the thing that actually launches dancers' careers into the stratosphere, but they should still pay you. Mm-hmm. Same thing with internships for jobs, like, an internship with a finance corporation could guarantee you a job with them upon graduation, but they should still pay you. Yes. There's no reason why your labor in exchange for learning something should be uh, not be paid. And I think that's a very old, archaic thing, like similar from like apprenticeship models and stuff like that. But even then, traditionally, if you had an apprenticeship, that person probably still fed you and housed you and clothed you. And then you had a job, you had a skill that you could take and money and make money from when you finish your apprenticeship. But in the modern world, you should get paid for any labor that you're doing. Easily. I'm providing you labor. You're not even giving me a a place to live and feeding me all my meals anymore. Like (laughs) like back in the day. So at least pay, pay me what I'm worth. Especially if that training is like the only way that you can, you can access that job field. Like for like a lot of people who are lawyers or they want to get into finance or that they need internships to get into their field. If that's the only way you can really get into the field, that should be paid because yeah. it just gatekeeps everybody who can't, who can't afford to get into it. But, oh, you know, such is life. Mm-hmm. That's really trifling. Do better NFL. Yeah, do better. And, it, and just the one more thing, it also makes it a little harder because I know this year the game's supposed to be in L.A., but... There, there's it's still almost a little bit up in the air of how they're gonna with, with their COVID numbers were rising if they were still gonna have it and <laughs> mm-hmm. if they're gonna do like the Rose Bowl did the year prior where they had to move the game from LA to um, Dallas Texas so NFL hasn't announced any plans like that they're like hey we're all for having it in LA but if restrictions go up some of those people that were preparing to perform for them all of a sudden can't do it because they moved the game across the country wow but I think that's all my P's and Q's. Ashamed of themselves, I tell you what. Damn you, Roger Goodell, keeping them down. Just sitting there on top of billions of dollars, like, why should we pay these dancers even minimum wage? They need that money for all them lawsuits they're getting because everybody getting their brains knocked in. Mm-mm. Just greedy. Well, besides the NFL being greedy, do you have anything for us? <laughs> I do. I have. I have a. Uh, kind of a not so much a story, but um, I have a couple of different Reddit posts today. Ooh. So my first one comes from Ask Reddit, and I thought this would be a fun um conversation for us to have. Then I would like to read through some of the responses. The question is, men of Reddit, what was the most ridiculous reason why someone questioned your masculinity? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. You want to hear some? Yeah. Well, I'm reading these. I want you to think of any, Mm -hmm. if these experiences have ever happened to you. Thank you. So one person says, I was reading a book on my lunch break while I was working construction and got a bunch of shit about reading being for women, which is easily one of the top 15 stupidest things I've heard said out loud. And then somebody responded and said, oh, how did it go from women not being allowed to read to reading only being for women? What a world. Um, And then someone responded to that and said, yeah, my brother-in-law said that I write like a F slur by which he means in full paragraphs with proper spelling and grammar. Apparently, um, writing correctly is extremely gay. And Mm -hmm. I I don't want to be clear. I know that there's not the being gay and not being masculine are not the same thing. They kind of use it interchangeably throughout the thread, but just for, you know, um, understanding sake, we understand that that's not the same thing. Um, Let's see. Someone else said, Someone, oh, their man who was questioned by wearing a gloves while we, uh, welding. What? Aren't you supposed to do that? Yeah, you definitely <laughs> supposed to wear. Um, you would be surprised. Several people in this thread said their manhood and masculinity was questioned because they chose to wear goggles while sawing, operating equipment, um, using any type of safety helmets, <laughs> gloves, protective gear. That was all apparently very feminine to do. Did, didn't somebody over in your life not say that it's feminine? <laughs> <laughs> Complained about a helmet, yes, I heard. Yes, they did. They did. Um, someone else said had a friend give another friend shit because he wanted to eat a corn dog. Apparently grown men do not eat corn dogs or hot dogs. You know, another, another glizzy. Yeah, you gotta well, be careful with the glizzy. Well, I'm glizzy goblin, boy. You give me a good <laughs> hot dog. What? Turkey sausage? Straight down. Another common one people said was wearing a jacket when it's cold or carrying an umbrella. Those are both not masculine things to do. I literally got uh, somebody's somebody found the umbrella at my job and I used it to walk to my car so I can go eat lunch. Because I'm like, it's raining. It's not raining a lot, but it's raining enough that I walk far enough I will be wet. Man law. I guess you get, I guess you got to get your man car for that. Y'all can take it. Uh, I, know, and I know you're reading them, but have <laughs> you... <laughs> ever question somebody's manhood for something that you didn't realize? Like, why am I questioning their manhood for that? Mm, question. <laughs> uh, you know, and I feel like I got this from a, from a TV show that I watched when I was younger, and it probably just like stuck something in my head, mm. and I had to unlearn it when I got to be older. But men who are very like hippie, I always felt like that was like a ew, like a turn off for me. Like, why why are you shaped like that as a man? Like, why do you have more hips than the average woman as a man? And I got that from girlfriends because Joan was dating a guy and she ended up breaking up with him because I think she, like, introduced him to her friends or something. Or he stood up from a table or something like that and he had, like, hella hips. Yeah. And she was like, ew, no, what is this? And so I think, like, watching that as a little kid, that implanted in my head of, like, you have a feminine body and this is weird. <laughs> and so that's, and that's not even something a person can help, like, as a woman identified person, you can't help if you don't have any hips. And as a man, you can't help how your weight is distributed in your body either. But I just remember, like, I guess being older and realizing, like, people's bodies do all types of things mm-hmm. that are completely out of your control. And it's very, very shallow. Like, you know, when we're teenagers and we're younger, people are super duper shallow. And hopefully you grow out of that and you recognize that, like, not everybody's going to have a perfect body. And if you have a perfect body now, it ain't always going to be that way. And it's more important to just like somebody for who they are. Yeah. Every, every, everything changes over time. So you got to get 
you better be prepared for that if you think you're so perfect right now. I think the <laughs> the other one experience that I had um, was just being out there, being single and dating and stuff like that, where I would maybe like question someone's masculinity. It was one time I went on a date with this guy and his mom called him and he answered the phone. He's like, what, mommy? And I was like, <laughs> Mommy? Mama He's like 30 years old, sir. Why are you calling your mom mommy? And of course, who cares? You know what I mean? Mm. But I, I think at the time, just like hearing a grown man be like, mommy, I was like, ugh. <laughs> um, what about you? Any any manhood revocations happening to you? I love you, mommy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think two times. The first time, they were definitely trying to put, question my manhood, but that didn't phase me. The second time, they didn't, but I can see it in their eyes. Mm-hmm. The first time, I was in college, and I think I was we were, I was I was eating a banana. Um, you lay a banana. I love my I love eating bananas, but you know sometimes <laughs> I I peel like the whole thing, mm-hmm. and then I'm just holding. But then like and, like they look. He looked at me. He was like, "Did you just peel that whole banana?" I'm like, "Yeah." And I'm eating it. He's like, "You're not gonna break that in half or nothing." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, bro. It's a banana. You it's need like to be- probably the, one of the easiest foods on the planet to to carry and consume. Yeah, because all you have to do is pull, peel it and hold it in one hand and eat it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> banana and apple, man. Banana yeah. and apple. You hold them in your hand, you're eating them. But you know, banana is a phallic shaped fruit. But that was a, it. Didn't deter me. Like I wasn't like, oh. And I mean, and let me say this: most men are not shaped like bananas. So y'all need to calm down off of that. Really, I would almost <laughs> argue that it's not phallic shape. You wish that many y'all were like a banana. <laughs> well, he was he was he was coming for me. I ain't I ain't I didn't appreciate. It. I was like. Mm. I have to eat two more to make up for this. Oh, well, you supposed to eat it with a knife and fork? Like, how are you supposed to eat it? <laughs> like, well, he's like, you got to mash it up. And... <laughs> <laughs> he was like, the breaking it in half, but I'm like, it's still, it'll still be a banana, bro. But also, like, a banana, the, like, the other reason why bananas are easy to eat is because they're a clean thing to eat. Like, mm-hmm. you can peel a banana and eat it out the out the peel and not ever get your hands messy or dirty or juicy like other fruit. Or, like, you, you can hold it between two fingers, and if you do peel it, holding off and eat it. Now you're breaking it up in that. Now you you look like a little kindergartner. You're holding two different hands. <laughs> yeah, you I'm still eating. Now you got banana in both hands, and I'm eating them back and forth. I feel like that looks worse to me. Just eating that oh one I think so many of these things are, like, everyday things that I just don't... I don't think you are less masculine because of what you eat. And I feel like it's so weird that a lot of these things are, like, you have to, you can't eat certain foods and you have to eat certain foods a certain way. Um, another really popular one was you, you cannot have a flavored margarita. Apparently, if you are going to be a masculine man, yeah. if you're going to drink a margarita, it cannot be flavored. It has to be just plain. But I even think, thinking about an episode of Bar Rescue, we saw any fruity type of drink, any drink with a fruit in it, is not masculine, according to that one guy in the San Francisco bar. Well, th- that guy was racist. He was he was homophobic <laughs> and racist and sexist and yeah, because he because he was like the 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 bar the bartender the expert bartender brought in was was a black male and he said hey we're gonna make an old fashioned and anybody knows anybody in an old fashioned it's mostly whiskey there is some dashes of bitters and like a qu- quarter ounce to a half ounce of simple syrup. Mm-hmm. And that's basically it. And maybe a garnish of an orange peel. And that man said, I don't want no fruity drinks. Yeah. My customers <laughs> don't want that simple syrup. I'm like, I'm like, okay. And I could tell from his vibe that, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, well, he's just definitely racist. 
because this black man t- is telling him to do this. And that I also was think old- he was bigoted because he he was saying too that he didn't want any drinks with a fruit juice or a fun name because he thought it was going to attract men who were gay into the bar. Yeah, and it's like, well, hey, it's nothing wrong with gay men coming in your punk club. Number one, number two, I would know. I don't think any any bartender would classify the old fashioned as a fruity drink. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't I'm think not, anybody would classify it as that. Yeah, there's no bartender that's gonna see a group of of uh early twenty year old women and say, Do y'all want a round of old fashions? <laughs> that's never gonna happen. And I'm saying fruity is in fruit juices in the drink. Yeah. Like a like a margarita or something like a um Kiss on the kiss on the beach or sex on the beach or whatever. Like nobody is recommending that to a whole bunch of woo girls at a bachelorette party, like you're saying. Yeah. As a sweet fruity drink, or even as a drink that's that's attributed more so to like women than men. I would say old fashioned is like a pretty. It's maybe more of like if you like whiskey or you're a more mature drinker. Mm-hmm. Still, probably not something I would buy and order in a punk club, but definitely not. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't question somebody's masculinity because they ordered. That's like a whatever drink, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, he had more issues, especially yeah, this person yeah, with these margaritas. Yeah, like yeah. margarita got too. Yeah. yeah, it depends where you're going to get the margarita. Like if they're making legit margaritas, and you say, "Hey, we have a strawberry version," cool. But if you're going into a place like you're going to TJ Fridays or Chili's, it's gonna be if you got a regular margarita, it's gonna be super sweet. They're using syrup. <laughs> but see, that's that's a, like a drink. That's like the drink snob in you that feels that way. You don't. You're not saying, oh, I don't want a sweet syrupy drink because it's feminine. You're saying I don't want it because it's gonna taste nasty. Yes, because it's gonna taste yeah. nasty, not because it's feminine. I will drink if I go to a legit place that's making a margarita and they say we have a strawberry version. I will get it easily. Like yeah. We got a mango version that I we crushed up mangoes to get the juice out. Like yeah, yeah. give me that please. So another one. Um, someone said they had their masculinity question because their apartment was clean. And their friends, um, they had an extended friend group, and one of the, the people in the friend group told his girlfriend that she thought he was gay because he kept a clean apartment. <laughs> so you're not going to have no shit stains in your toilet? Your <laughs> home. Oh. Somebody said um, they gave a coworker a pink paper clip because he bought a pack of multicolored paper clips and just picked one up and didn't think anything of it. And the person said, um, I don't want this paper clip and you should stop using it because people may have questions. <laughs> Bro, excuse me, office supplies. Uh, hey, don't ever ask me for nothing again. I <laughs> and I think one time it happened to me. I don't I don't I don't know if the person was questioning my sexuality, mm-hmm. but um what was I doing? I was I was policing, police officer, and I was had to do an assignment in a hospital because we had a um I don't want to say crazy, mentally disturbed person. Mm-hmm. So I had to sit on them. And they were, they were already in a room, so I'm basically making sure they're all right, and I'm reading a book. And when the nurses come in, they're talking to me, and they're talking about some self-help book that they're reading, mm-hmm. and how it's great, and they love self-help books. I'm like, oh, that's great. And they ask me what I'm reading, and I'm telling yeah, I'm reading a, a Game yeah, of Thrones yeah, book. Yeah, that was my first guest. Game yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's a it's a fantasy book. Um, they based a TV show about it. And I, the, the look in their eye was just <laughs> disgust. She looked at me like I was less than a man. Like, you could never get this. I'm like, what are you? It's just a book. 
I mean, I ain't say that. I wonder if, if she got if she got turned off because she was questioning your masculinity, or she got turned off because she thought you were a nerd. Because you know, some some women don't like nerds either. Yeah. Oh, you want to read a fantasy book? She wanted you to read be reading the Forty Ninth Law of Power or whatever that Fifty Cent book is. Forty Eighth <laughs> Law of Power. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of those Alpha <laughs> Med Red Red Pill books. You know, some some women like that. Another one. Someone said somebody told me once I wasn't applying deodorant manly enough. <sighs> Now I don't, I don't know how you can how you can be applying deodorant in a masculine or feminine way because it's pretty much just a up and down swipe motion. Yeah, uh, I, uh, so was, was he doing like half swipes across his underarm? I don't. I don't know. Uh, being nice to people. Mm. They were accused of that. You gotta be gay. You haven't called me the b word once. Um, liking raspberries, which the person said was girl food. Um, being thin. Someone said his grandmother was worried that he was gay because he was thin. <laughs> um, eyelashes are too long. Liking soup. A lot of food. A lot of food things. Yeah, apparently men can. You can't eat anything. Your sexuality is questioned immediately. Ooh, getting their wife pregnant with a girl. And someone said a real man would have given you a boy. Okay. <laughs> Like, oh. We need both. We need both. We need both sexes to keep the planet going. So, I mean, I, I guess only betas make girls, huh? Yeah. Oh, sorry, daddy. <laughs> Dang, oh, daddy, a beta. Oh my he god. Did, well, he does have a boy. He has one boy. Barely. That's twenty five percent. I don't even know. Hey, my daddy got a one hundred. Um. Someone said their masculinity was questioned because they can sing. <laughs> Wearing a suit, a seat belt. Uh, you know what? I feel like that's how my uh, my uncle feels when I tell him to put on his seat belt when I ride in the car. <laughs> I'm like, please, you're an 80 year old man, put on a seat belt. Uh, and the the last one I'll share. They, this thread goes on and on, but the last one, uh, someone said they her girlfriend tripped, and he caught her and asked her was she okay. And a man questioned his masculinity because he asked his girlfriend was was she okay and that's not a, a phrase a masculine man would say and he also thought he was gay because he asked his girlfriend was she okay when she tripped so not not only not masculine but also gay even though he had a girlfriend clearly a homosexual clearly a homosexual I don't I, think there's no way he'd be able to recover from that I guess the moral of the story is just live your life and do eat what you want to eat Sing, put your deodorant on how you want to put it on, wear what you want to wear. It's always going to be somebody apparently questioning your masculinity. I didn't realize it was this hard to be a man. I say just do what you want to do and live your life. I don't, I don't know, baby. You'll starve to death. You're going to eat steak and potatoes, apparently. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to get me too. And I'm sure somebody would probably be like, with a fork and a knife? Oh, gay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, but what? But no. Yes. And you can also, to reiterate one more time, you can be masculine and gay. You can be feminine and straight. You can be whatever you want. Mm. Those things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Hey, Amen. Especially with the, some of the couples we saw on TikTok. That one uh, couple with the feminine man and the mask. Yeah. yeah. You know, hey, everybody, yeah. teach them. They live their life. Mm-hmm. Everybody like who likes you. Yeah, that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. Right, you got to find people that like you. And, yeah. Uh, Based on, based on my next story, I don't know if these people liked it to everybody in their life, but right. I can't wait to hear. And you, I don't know if you heard this story, but um, the headline: um, Georgia pastor wife, pastor and wife charged in with false imprisonment of people found in locked basement. 
Wow, what's with you in the slavery stories today? <laughs> well, they, these people were taking taking advantage of uh, adult protection services. Oh, um, no. Investigators determined that eight people in the basement, all with mental and physical disabilities or both, were essentially imprisoned against their will. Mm. And it was a Georgia pastor and his wife. Um, apparently, they are being accused of having an unlicensed group home. Um, it was a house oh, wow. rent, yeah, rented rented out, rented Griffin House under mm-hmm. the disguise of a church known as One Step of Faith, Second Chance. Mm. The Griffin Police Department said uh, mm-hmm. last week they were they responded to a call about someone having a seizure at the home and noticed a deadbolt on the basement door. According to police, crews had climbed through a window to reach um, the patient. Mm-hmm. Investigators determined that the people in the basement had both, like I said earlier, mental and physical disabilities essentially imprisoned against their will mm-hmm. which created extreme hazard as individuals could not exit the residence if there was an emergency. And um, mm. the Bankstons, the people who are accused of this, um, control the finances, uh, medications, and public benefits of the people they were keeping in the basement and had sometimes denied them their medications and medical oh, care. wow. That's according to the police. And the people's wow. range from 25 to 65. All jail. Pl- yeah. All, Under the jail. All placed into housing by the Georgia Department of Human Services. They gotta be ashamed of themselves. That is so... That reminds me of that movie um, that we watched on Netflix where the woman had launched that big business of of uh, getting adults rendered as like wards of the state. Yes. And then she was throwing them in nursing homes and taking all their money and stuff like that. Yes, and that's essentially what, what these people were doing. They they were they were all considered wards of the state. They gotta be ashamed of themselves. Oh, that's horrible. That's a crazy story. Cause they, I mean it was only found out because somebody was having a medical emergency. When they get there like why is oh this dead bolted? Well at least they did the right thing and didn't let that person die or something like that and called about the medical emergency but ugh, this is the things people do to make money but not work hard for it yeah. just that greed you know you just dehumanize people and everything yeah cause the the and the and real quick I, I just don't know how you get to the situation of how you, how you figure this is how we're gonna make our money I think it's a slippery slope Mm-hmm. You probably had one person that you might have been helping out, and you realize, hey, we're getting two hundred dollars a month, and if we keep half the money they're getting from the state, mm-hmm. we're making okay. We give them Roman noodles and maybe some a vegetable or two, canned vegetable. Yeah, it's like you start off with one, then you know you, you realize you can treat them a certain way. You get these checks, and then you get more, and you get more, and then next thing you know, you know you get behind on feeding and bathing these people, and taking them to their appointments and then it's, it kind of gets out of hand and you're like, well, I can't take them now because it's obvious they've been abused. Mm-hmm. But that's still no excuse though. It's, I, they still need to be punished for the furthest, furthest extent of the law. Like, if it's one thing I don't, I have little to no sympathy for is people who abuse children or other vulnerable populations. Like, it's, it's never an excuse. There's never a justifiable reason to do something like that to another person. So, I have no sympathy for them. Yeah, no, you and, and you can because there's no mm-hmm. legit good excuse. Like, why was there mm-hmm. a deadlock on the door? And they tried to explain it as saying they had pro- issues with the door, so they tr- were trying to get a new. No, that's BS. Because you, because guess what, you were collecting their checks, right? So yeah, you, you found a way. Money. To, yeah, you found a way to keep collecting checks, 
And why why did the police need to break that law or go through the window because they couldn't get through that door? That doesn't sound right. Something yeah, that, that's something's not making sense. And it's an, it's so many people out here who are caregivers who manage that little bit of money they get from the government and make sure people they love are well taken care of. And people who even get to the point where they realize they can't take care of their loved one anymore and it's beyond them and they do what they can to get them more help. Like, it's no excuse. Yeah. It's no excuse. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they admitted they didn't have the proper licensing not to, to do that. Mm. And they're also saying these people weren't kept hostage. They were free to go of their will. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, that's, without that's their checks, go- without their medicine. Yeah, you're controlling everything. They don't know, they don't know any better. Mm. Some of them have mental disabilities. Like, some only have physical. But, I mean, what about the ones, people with both? Like, I'm mentally... You don't know what incapable. condition these people were in that they, they needed more help. You know, mm-hmm. and somebody may not have been able to walk out down the stairs and out the house. Yes, and it always makes it worse because they have a website for the One Step of Faith Ministries, and it reads um, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, housing the homeless, and helping the brokenhearted find a way out through Christ. And they couldn't find a way out that wow. door to get out the house. I always wonder about those people, like if they actually read the Bible, because I know a lot of people who are devout Christians, they, they read the Bible on a daily basis or they have like a, you know, Bible study and stuff. I don't, I just don't know. How do you sit there and you read the Bible or you quote the Bible and then you go home and you do stuff like that? I think, especially in terms of reading the Bible, a lot of them only read the same passages over and over again. And if you, the, like the last hundred years, they keep, like we're going to pull this one, they the same 30 rotation for mm. Bible studies throughout the year. And they don't really explore the Bible, explore the nuances, explore how these books relate to each other. But but it's like you know enough to judge other people and other lifestyles and say who's going to get into heaven and who's not going to get into heaven. But you think what you're doing is okay? <laughs> I, I, I just remain, it, that that's always shocks me. And it's always people who are the most judgmental of others who are doing the, the dirtiest things behind closed doors. Oh yeah, that is a fact. That is a fact mm-hmm. right now. Mm. I think that's enough to talk about these despicables. Yeah, I hope we get an update on that. And mm-hmm. then we, we find out they were convicted. Mm-hmm. And I'm not usually don't like throwing people in jail for no reason, but they need me. They should be banned from, from doing any type of caregiving in the future as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. At the very least, they shouldn't be a, allowed wars of the state anymore. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but what do you have for mm-hmm. us to wrap us all up? Final story of the day. We're going to the Reddit thread. Am I the asshole? Whoa. And I'm ready for your raw reaction. Mm. Am I the asshole for kicking my husband out of the delivery room? Yes. Mm. Yes. Just off that head, that headline, <laughs> she is the asshole. I know this is a touchy subject because a lot of people, especially with COVID, have had to make some tough choices about who they want to have in the delivery room if they can have anybody yeah. why are you looking like that you go, you go kicking me out are we having a baby no but just in okay. case <laughs> just in case <laughs> kicking me out I'm just in case okay well this person um i 23 female and my husband 24 male just had our first baby My husband was so excited and super supportive and caring throughout the pregnancy. The only thing is that he became slightly obsessed with watching YouTube and TikTok pranks of husbands uh, pulling pranks on their wives while in labor. Uh, I have thoughts on that. Let me me finish reading. I have thoughts on that too. Um, I I didn't mind it at first, but then he started casually joking about things he, he saw in the videos saying it would be funny. 
I clearly stated my distaste for them and asked him not to do anything like what he saw. He agreed and continued to joke about it from time to time, but I brushed it off since I trusted him and I thought nothing more would come of it. The day of the delivery came and I had been in labor for eight hours of a 12-hour labor. I had just finished another round of contractions when my husband let out the loudest fart, turned to me and said, well, what the hell you been eating? It smells disgusting. <laughs> I was I immediately recognized that as one of the pranks from the videos. Outraged at him, not honoring what I asked him not to do, I demanded that he leave the room. He started arguing about it being a joke, but I insisted, and luckily the, the nurse helped get him out of the room. I went through the last four hours of labor by myself since my family lives out of town and I'm not close to my mother-in-law. After the delivery, I told the nurse he could come back, but he was fuming and he demanded to know why I kicked him out. He hasn't talked to me in a week. His mom is saying that she's taking his side and I was a complete bitch for kicking him out. Normally, he would offend me from her, but this time he completely agreed. I, I might be the asshole because I know how much he was looking forward to being there for the birth of our first kid, especially when he got to cut the cord, but I still kicked him out and refused to let him back in. The nurse asked a few times if I wanted him back, but each time I said no. Am I the asshole after kicking my husband out for such a stupid prank? Mm. And then there are edits, but I can, I'll can i share them um, after we I get your initial thought. Oh man, she's not the asshole. She is not the asshole because she asked him. She asked him not to do that. And there's been another story going around with kind of a similar situation. But when you ask somebody, "Hey, from the bottom of my heart, I don't want that to happen," and they proceed to do it anyway, mm-hmm. like how am I supposed to feel? You're ignoring that person and their and their their need, their wants of you. They want this so bad for you to not act like an idiot right now. Yeah. And you just, I mean, he just threw that all out. I, you know what? I feel like the first time I read this, I was like, oh, absolutely. He, she's not the asshole. He's the asshole. I still don't think he's the, the, she is the asshole. But this is what I will say. I think when you have situation that are situations that are big life events that are like once in a lifetime events for most people. Um, so like your wedding the first time you have a baby, you have in your mind like a vision or a hope for how that situation is going to go. And sometimes those things contrast from your partner. Mm. And so like there was a way that she saw her labor going and the labor space going that she really wanted to protect, it sounds like. And it was a thing that he seemed like he had a fantasy of doing in the process of having his first child and that he thought would be fun and I do think he's 100% wrong because I think in this case, like, when it comes to a wedding, the husband and wife should be equally valued in what they want the experience to be. Yeah. And if you have things where you disagree on, like, you should really talk through those conflicts. When it comes to giving birth to a child, the partner that's giving birth is their will trumps everybody else. Yeah, you just, you just, their your support. You are 100% right. support. Now, if I think, it, and it depends on everyone's different temperament. Their mood, I have never given birth to a child, so I can't say how I feel in this situation, being in that much pain for that long period of time. But I also feel like if you, I know my spouse, I love my spouse. I don't know if I would necessarily, I would, I could see why she kicked him out, but maybe I would let him come back in for, hey, it's time to push. You can come back in. Don't say a word. You can cut the cord. 
but don't say anything. Don't do any pranks. Mm-hmm. So he has gotten it. He's not he like he could have spent the last, you know, three and a half hours in the in the waiting room and the last half hour when it's time to really push the baby out, cut the cord, do all those things, skin to skin. He could be there for that. Yeah. So he doesn't miss those moments, even though he was a bonehead and he doesn't deserve to be there, maybe. But that was still his firstborn child, and he did miss those critical, crucial moments. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think she was the asshole, but I do think that I don't want to take away from him as a father that he did. He literally did miss out on something that he can never get back. But he ruined it for himself. He did. He absolutely situation. did. Mm-hmm. Like if he, if he, if I, you know, I would have, I would have liked for him to be able to get back in there and do all those things mm-hmm. that you said. I would have loved for that. But at the end of the day. It's unfortunate, but it was your fault. It absolutely was his fault. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she asked him not to do that. And I, I don't know, some people think like, oh, well, you, you'll find it funny in the moment when it happens. I think the biggest issue with the joke is it wasn't funny. And mm. I know like there are people who think like, who cut the cheese? Like fart jokes are funny. And a big portion of people don't think fart jokes are funny. No. So it's like, not only was it insensitive because she actually said not to do it, but it wasn't even funny. It's not even really a prank. Like, what's a prank about you you farting and then blaming it on your wife who's pushing out a baby? No, I'm going to find these videos <laughs> so I can see how they are making all this so funny. My wife is trying to birth my child. Prank, bro. Now, that's why the other day when I had my headphones in, you asked me. I was looking for the video uh-huh. because I was trying to get some context on, like, what types of pranks are people playing on their spouses? And it's, it really is more so, it seems to me, like it's, People who already vlog, mm-hmm. people whose spouse has like a good nature, sense of humor about it, and it's like early on into the hospital process. It's not when they've been eight hours into a labor. Yeah, you know? it's not the time, bro. <laughs> Nobody's playing Fresh right off now. a contraction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was a bad joke, bad taste, bad timing. Mm-hmm. And then most importantly, bad response. <laughs> so the edits and the updates. Um... She said he's been bonding with the baby, but not helping. Um, He holds her when he feels like holding her. He'll just take her out of my arms or he'll take her from me. If the mother-in-law asks to hold the baby, Um, she said that he was not apologetic, which is why she chose not to let him back in the room. And the nurse uh, checked on him throughout the process, but he was soaking and complaining. So he never expressed any remorse about what he did. And then another week later, she brought back, she brought, came back with another update. And she said her mother actually ended up having to come in to help with the baby. He's, he was still ignoring her um, after a full week. And she told him that she was depressed and anxious about it since they brought the baby home. And she, he said he's so mad. No rights kick him out. Uh, she said she started crying and begging him. And he actually called her a cunt for kicking him out of the delivery room. And she's actually planning on leaving him. So she said that that's pretty much at this point. They don't know how they couldn't reconcile the marriage. Um, And then he didn't allow her to take anything for the baby that he paid for. So she just had to walk out the house with the baby and stay in a hotel room. So uh, pregnancy does interesting things to relationships and marriages, it it turns out. He was willing to let his wife and brand new baby go stay in the motel. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe not as nice of a guy. Yeah, all that, all because you want you just had to do a little fart fart joke, bro. And I I would be upset if I miss those moments. I'll be more upset that like, wow, 
I couldn't listen to my wife this one time mm-hmm. when she's having this moment. This is her moment. Mm-hmm. She's giving birth to your child. But you know what? It's unfortunately that you y'all partnered together and you, you found this out about them. But you're finding this out about them now where you can still mm-hmm. go live your life and raise a, raise your, uh, raise a strong daughter. And if you want to be there, great. If not, hey, man, it's, you got 18 years to raise a strong. It's better than... Ten years in, and he's and then he's just disregarding your wishes as a parent. Yeah, too, you know. Yeah, it's just disrespectful. So, what were the what was the story you heard about that was another um, pregnancy room? It wasn't project. a pregnancy room, but it involved uh, people. If you want me to say it, sure. Uh, it's an internet story. The that had popped up. The wife had uh, well, it was before they married on their wedding day. Uh, she told the husband, "Hey, I can't remember the exact." part but for some reason she didn't want the cake smash in her face because of some oh, past trauma oh. and she, he told her hey do not do that do not do that we get to the wedding she sees there are backup cupcakes <gasps> and oh no this man smashes the cake in her face and she Come left on. him that day I, I don't understand people who's like hey from me to you one adult to another your spouse somebody you love and trust I want to be able to trust you and I ask you to do something and you blow it off. I can't trust you. Yeah. That's the biggest, like, if I say I have something that traumatized me or I have something that I don't like, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't want you to do that. And you do it anyway. That's so hurtful. They don't respect you. They, mm-hmm. they don't respect you one bit. If you ask them to not me. do this, especially on those important days, like birthdays, uh, weddings, you know, somebody in your family dies, you have a graduation, uh, when you were giving birth to a child or your child is being birthed by somebody else, like, those are such big, impactful, important days in people's lives, and for you to just mess up that memory for that person over a laugh or a joke, it just, to me, it's like when people do stuff at people's graduations and things, it's like, wh- why are you doing that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't make any sense just mm-hmm. hey love, love love the person and listen to what they're saying to you mm-hmm. listen to them because they're, tell, they're telling you what they want and if it's something you can easily provide that doesn't do anything to damage your own self or your own character or you have to uh, or if somehow it, it impacts you in a negative way help them out man because most of these things aren't they're just asking for small things to do and most of those from what i've learned watching those tiktok uh hospital pranks marry somebody with a similar sense of humor who they want you to be in there cutting up and know when it's the appropriate time to cut up and when it's time to get serious and be supportive and i feel like if you don't got that type of sense you don't good luck mm-hmm. good luck to you <laughs> mm-hmm. anything else baby I don't. I don't. Just moral of the story. Let's not push people's faces in the cakes unless they... Well, you got a full face of makeup. It's your wedding day. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing you want to do. And let's not have any jokes in the delivery room when the person is clearly in a, a bunch of pain trying to push out your big-headed baby. Uh, you know what? Well, I was going to say jokes are fine, just not fart jokes. But who knows how you who knows how you feel until you and, you and eight hours into labor. Maybe ain't nothing funny then. Ain't, ain't nothing funny eight hours in. <laughs> ain't nothing funny. So you got, it's like a, it's an hour window. You got to get these jokes in. After that, you on your own. Mm. But she found out, out about him now, and I'm happy she at least did that. Yeah, when she go to divorce court, and they say, why are you getting divorced, Your Honor? And she said, he ripped the fart and blamed the fart on me when I was having his child. They'd be like, oh, no. The voice granted. <laughs> Under the jail. Mm-hmm. 
But um, thank y'all again for yeah. coming here and listening to us rant on about some of our favorite stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can't wait to see you guys next time. Yeah, until next time. Yeah, deuces.